Today we play golf. Let me show you how we do it in the pros. Yeah! Welcome to Behind the Golf Brand Podcast. I never miss with the seven iron. A conversation with some of the most interesting innovators and entrepreneurs behind the biggest names in golf. My friends were the golf clubs. I lived on the golf course. I lived on the driving range. From Pro Talk. You should learn something from each and every single round you play. To fun from on and off the green. Why would you play golf if you don't play it for money? Just let me put the ball in the hole. This is Behind the Golf Brand Podcast with Paul Liberatore. What's up, guys? Paul from Golfers Authority. Welcome to the Behind the Golf Brand Podcast. We are on episode 87. Holy crap. I can't believe we're getting up there, up there now. This week, I have my friend Brian Friedrichs from Capstone Hospitality talking about private golf clubs in that world, which I know nothing about. And I find it fascinating because I've never been a member. We don't have that many places out here in Arizona that have that. And I think it's a cool world to learn more about and how it all works. And what it's really like so i'm really excited to kind of have them on the show today so welcome to the show thanks paul appreciate it it's gonna be fun where are you located at our headquarters are located in neptune beach florida so it's the beaches of jacksonville most people will recognize that it's we're about 15 minutes north on the same road as tpc sawgrass so very so close to Montevideo. that's super close very close very close i'm like 15 miles from tpc scottsdale <laughs> Nice. Have you played it? Uh, once. Yeah. And it was it fun. Pretty good? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. TPC yeah. golf courses are generally pretty good. They take really good care of them. They're really yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like to play the munis because it's cheaper. That's right now, it's super hot, dude. It's like super hot outside. It's like 112. Yeah. And oh it's like God. humid. And it's like, humid? no, you don't know humid until you come down to Florida. No, I know that's true. But in July and August in Arizona, we get these monsoons and it gets so humid and it rains yeah. the night the next night, but like the temperature doesn't drop. So essentially it's like 105 and it rained, you know? And then really- the bad thing is when we have these storms, my friends are on a golf course and I was texting him because I wanted to go shoot some content. And he's like, oh, the golf course is closed this week. I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, dude, that storm like ripped up our course like bad. Yeah. Like big old, like they have a bunch of, uh, what are those trees they have in Australia that are really dirty? Uh, eucalyptus. eucalyptus trees. Yeah. yeah. Eucalyptus. Like they drop everywhere. They have those. They, they have a ton of those in South America when I was playing down there. I love them. They smell so good. So, pleasant. oh, yeah. They're pretty yeah. too, but they're messy yeah. as hell. Yeah, true. Yeah. Like yeah. super messy. So I was like, oh, man, really? And I feel bad because it's like, now they have to, it's like having a big yard. Now you have to go clean it up yourself, right? Like, yeah, unless you want to spend like 10 grand and hire yeah. a bunch of people to come clean it up for you. They're like, oh, yeah, we're doing yard work for the next week. I can um, barely take care of my little tiny yard. So, <laughs> can you imagine having like big ass, like, I don't know how big the square foot, I don't know how many acres this is, but it's pretty big. Golf course, you had to like clean it up. Like, I would, yeah. that'd be crazy. Superintendent so, and the grounds crew, that's the, uh, that's the unspoken heroes of the golf world. Yeah, they got a shitty job. job. They got a hard job. And I think they're super early too. Like super very early. early. I've worked on I've worked on a crew, a superintendent, or I was never a superintendent, but I've worked on a grounds crew at a golf course, like cutting bunkers, doing all that stuff. And it's hard work. And like it's so funny, the members or the public playing it, if like little things happen, right? Like nature affects golf courses. Right. Then the superintendent just gets ripped, you know, but it's like, you know, literally to keep a golf course perfect, how people's expectations are is like very, very challenging. I bet it's even more with like the private world, too. Right. Like if you're a member and you're paying tens of thousands of dollars, like it needs to be impeccable. Right. I'm paying for this. So I'm going like I'm going my muni where I pay twenty five dollars to go play 18 holes. Who are you going to complain to? City, uh, you know, like. And the guy of the superintendent is probably superintendent of all the courses. So you're lucky it's even being mowed, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So where did you grow up at? Florida? I grew up in South Florida. So we're in the Northeast region, like literally the most far Northeast you can go in Florida. And I grew up nearly the farthest Southeast you can go uh, in Boca Raton, Florida. I was born in Boynton, did a little stint in Deerfield Beach, and then from ages five to 18, I was in Boca. Then I went uh, over on the west coast of Florida uh, to Florida Gulf Coast University, um, played golf there, uh, got my degree in resort and hospitality management, and then kind of made my way around and went all over the country, all over South America, Central America, 
ended right back up in Florida in the Northeast region. So did you, like, are you a good golfer? Used to be a pretty good golfer. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so did you play in high school? Played in high school, played junior college. Golf, played high school, played college. Is that D1 school? What kind of D is that? It's D1, yeah. It's a smaller D1 school. Um, so who'd you play against and, like, who's in your, your region? Um, it kind of shifted a little, shifted a little bit because when I first came in there, it was a little smaller. Then we got, I think it was like Florida Sun Conference, something like that. So we were playing. Yeah, but the competition is pretty tight, though, in Florida golf schools. Or it is. Yeah, it's not like you're flying like, you know, I mean, I think hard. We were playing like University of South Florida, um, Florida Atlantic University, kind of that size of school. Yeah. Um, we we have the like talent's a, probably really is insane. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so many good golfers out there. I learned that pretty quick. <laughs> not, this, not this guy. Um, yeah. Not me anymore. It's funny though. And then like I all like, a four handicap now, and I'm like, oh, poor Brian. Oh, I don't even know who I am. So I I played professionally for four years as well, and. Like so, and what league was that? what what was that in like Corn Ferry or some other what it was? Yeah, so pretty much every mini tour you could imagine, and then uh, I did qualify for what is now the PGA Tour Latino America. It was called the Tour de las Americas when I was doing it. So that was when was that? Like when did you graduate college? Graduated in two thousand eight. I actually started the business Capstone Hospitality. I graduated in December of two thousand eight. Two thousand nine. Um, I got recruited uh, by a company called Three Oaks Hospitality um, and a guy named Jim Tuminello, who's now our uh, executive vice president of Capstone. Um, but anyways, he was like, what are you doing after college at the time? Right. It was 2008. Re- graduating with resort and hospitality. Really kind of crummy time to graduate with resort and hospitality. Yeah, like right on the market dumps. Exactly. So like I was flying all around the country trying to find jobs at hotels, resorts, and everyone's like, man, we're laying off people. We're not hiring anyone. So I played golf with a guy named Jim Tuminello. He asked me what I'm doing. I said, I don't really know. He says, I think you might be pretty good at this membership thing. I was like, oh, okay. At the time, I you know, I played muni golf, played um, collegiately, was never a member at a club. My parents were both teachers. They weren't members of clubs. So I really like wasn't in that world much at all. So you're an outsider. Um, I'm an outsider. Yeah. yeah. And so... He's like, I think you might be really good at this. You know, let me set you up with this company. Their their model was is they were like a subcontractor model. So they would come in, they would do like uh, assessments, they would do strategic plans for clubs on membership side. They would subcontract out people to come in and help them with it. So they were like, yeah, we'd love to work with you, but we don't have employees. You have to form your own company. And at the time, right, I'm fresh out of college. I'm like, oh, okay, what does that mean? You're like, <laughs> so no money, like. A yeah. little bit of experience. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, okay. So I formed Capstone Hospitality in 2009. I did yeah. a couple projects uh, with uh, PGA of America, uh, PGA Village in Port St. Lucie. We did uh, Naples Bay Resort. Um, and then I always had the itch to like try to play for a living. I just never had the money to do it. And I wasn't good enough to where directly out of college, I have like, you know, lucrative endorsement deals, anything like that. So I worked for a couple of years, saved up enough money, played in my first two professional events, and I won both of them. And so I'm like, shit, this is going to be easy. So I turned pro, I got some sponsorships, and then never won again. <laughs> so I went out and played for four years, made a couple little swing adjustments. I, I hit the ball really long. I used to hit it really long. But with that came like under pressure situations, I'd hit a hard hook. And like that was like really hard to control. So I was like, all right, I want to eliminate the whole. You're being professionally, so like you're always under stress. It's not like, oh, whenever yeah. I'm under a lot of stress, it's like, yeah, yeah. like what, like when you're leading, maybe, and then yeah, exactly. Sudden, when when you're I'm like, in the hunt, and all of a sudden you start choking like crazy, you start being like yeah. Rick Norman. Exactly, just pull snap hook one out of bounds, make an eight, and then there goes everything. Now it's all mental yeah. at that point. Yeah. Like, oh, now great, there it goes, there it comes. So. But I was lucky enough to do it for four years. I had some great sponsorships and uh, traveled all over the country, all over South and Central America. That'd be um, kind of cool, though. And you're like, how old? Like 22, 23? Like, yeah, it, it was from 23 to 27 is when I did it. 
So um, is that your full time job? Yeah, well, have to be. Yeah. You're an yeah. athlete. You're just trying to like make a 100%. cut. Yeah, exactly. And you so know, do they pay for your like fees to get in the tournament and all that? Yeah, the way it worked was is like I would get like a lump sum each year from my sponsors. And, and then, then, you have to, I, then now you have to manage the money and be like, yeah, okay, yeah. if I really, I'll, I, I, you might have to come out of pocket maybe if you don't like. Oh, the first couple of years, it kind of taught me a lot about business too and just running a business. Cause the first year I ran out of money, like with like four months left and I'm like, oh no. So I, I like got a caddying job and was looping on the sides just to like pay down credit card debt, you know, and then I would get the dump of the Did money. you freaking know that was like the best time of your life? If you say it wasn't, you're lying. Cause like, oh, no, it was. was, it was incredible. Like if you had time machine, you'd be like, I do that. Yeah. I do it every day the rest of my life like that. Like that's like, I, it, it was I mean, it's stressful, but it's like still the fun i don't know i like business but it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun the um my, my last year was the most fun south america was incredible but man it tore my stomach up <laughs> like going, really i'm an adventurous eater right so i'm going i'm eating like cow heart these crazy like eyeball ceviche in peru like all this wild stuff whereas like <laughs> my buddy that i traveled with he's just getting like chicken and rice and he was fine the whole time and i'm just like puking and stuff but anyway i wonder why yeah exactly it was a blast but my last year was the most fun i got an rv and i traveled around just doing a lot of mondays and um oh, no. you're, you're an rv in south america and you're just like enjoying it and, and living the life no, i was in north america so i, I flew oh. back i was like all right i think i'm good on south america for a while even though i, I love south america i surf i love that culture um, but I was like, all right, I'm going to do Mondays. I was playing really well. My last year I missed five Mondays by one shot. So I was like, I was firing some good numbers. It was pretty brutal. So that's when it started clicking for me that like, and then I started getting some injuries and I was like, all right, maybe I'm not supposed to play golf for a living, but it kind of segued into business. Right. Because I'm like, man, what am I going to do? You know, and I, I just spent four years like grinding out on tour, putting all of my effort and energy into this. Like, what am I going to do? And so I went back to the membership side of things. And again, during this period of time, right, you're talking like 12, 13. Yeah. 11, 12, uh, really 10, 11, 12, 13. Um, you know, it's not a good time for country clubs, right? Like they just went through a recession. No, you just went through a recession, right? Like membership is one of the first things to go when a recession hits, which we're coming into again, potentially. Um, and so I would, I, I made it like a routine because I worked in the industry my whole life, right? Being a bad guy, picking the range, working on the grounds crew, waiting tables, all that stuff. I would just always go in because like pros, general managers, they never get thanked enough, in my opinion. Right, they're it's like a thankless out. job, right? I mean, it like, really is because a pro wants to teach. He doesn't want to freaking work the front yeah. desk, and he doesn't want Sorry. to sell go- shit and pick up yeah. phone calls. Like, exactly. essentially, it's like you're doing a hundred jobs at once, and you don't, yeah. the one job you want to do, you never get to do it. You can spend like this much right. time doing what you're right. teaching. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough gig, man. And you know, so I would I would just always go in and thank them for hosting the tournament talk to them briefly, kind of find out how, how their club is doing. And like almost every single one I would talk to, because I had this history in membership sales as well. They'd be like, oh, we can always use more members. We can always use more members. So I kind of always had it in the back of my mind that like this, this is an opportunity. Um, and so I got knocked out of second stage at Q school um, that year. This is 2013. I got a call saying, hey, there's an opportunity up at the golf club of Amelia Island which is an amazing property. It's right on a Ritz Carlton. And, you know, they're not able to sell memberships. They're on this Island. It's 12,000 wow. people. What can they sell um, yeah. They just weren't doing it right. Um, no, they, know they, doing. Had great, they had a great product. They weren't being really proactive in sales, right? They had somebody. So this is kind of like moving into kind of what I feel is wrong in uh, this quintessential membership director role that you see. In yeah, I want to hear this because I don't know. This is just yeah. Okay, so in private clubs, right, you have all sorts of different um, dynamics at play. You have board, you have board run clubs. Those are equity clubs. You have individually owned clubs. So equity have- clubs. All right. So an yeah. equity club would be what? Like, like who? 
the members you buy in right you buy into the club a person does and then what so yeah so uh if it's an equity club right and you're buying an equity membership you have voting rights you you can you're considered an owner of the club right Uh, equity clubs are owned by the members and there's usually board of governors they have then break off committees right they have a golf committee they have membership committee they have food and beverage committee and it's just it's a good member experience, right? Because they're really involved. They're like, oh, really they involved. Own it. They yeah, want to be. Not, yeah. And they're not so. There's a lot of bullshit, too, though. Like, I bet you have your exactly. clicks and like exactly. your problems. And people probably are like, I'm out. This is too much bullshit for me. It, it does happen. And there's some really good board run clubs, really good board run clubs. And there's some not so good board run clubs. So there's pros and cons to it. There are pros so, and cons. So it'll be an equity club. Like, what is the most money you've ever seen for an equity club to be a member? Like, how much like initiation fee? Yeah. Oh, I mean, they can get big. You can get 350000 400000 joining. But typically, right, those are like the elite style clubs. Typically. There's a club. I can't think of the name of it. So I'm not. I'm glad I'm not going to get paid for in trouble. But he was telling me it's a pretty famous club. It's, I'm not going to say where it's at either. But he said that, like, he had to, uh, to interview – and he had to have a letter of recommendation from two members of the club. Yeah. That's pretty standard. Yeah. And it was like he had to travel across the United States because the members did not live in the state that he was in. Like essentially they were like the CEO of like fucking like say Coca-Cola or some shit. Right. Like, you know, like that, like crazy traveling. Yeah. You have to yeah. bro it up, become friends yeah. with the person. And then it'd be like, oh, yeah, you're cool. Yeah. Here's one letter of recommendation. And he took him uh, two years to get that. It, and he's it, like. Yeah. And he's a very wealthy man yeah. and yeah. owns a very big development company. And like, he's like, yeah, I did that for two years to get into this club. Like, it's nuts. Oh, it's not that really, that really, like that true. Does that really happen? Like, it's oh yeah, that happens. And and in some instances, it's a good thing, right? It, it like promotes the, the exclusiveness. Yeah. Cause once you're in, you're in, they're like, oh yeah, he passed the test. He's been hazed. Exactly. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. It's not like, oh yeah, you'd have a million dollars. Okay. Here's a million dollars. You're on in and nobody yeah, likes exactly. the guy. Yep. But for the most part, right, for 90% of the clubs out there, in my opinion, they shouldn't be doing all these things. Like we've, we've, it's a pretty antiquated way of doing things, right? Um, like we've gone into clubs where they still do like home visits before you can join the club. They literally like go out and sit down with you and your family and interview you. I'm just like, what? What? Like that's that's what some of the craziest things I've ever heard. And they want your money too. It's not like I mean, I yeah, know. yeah. It's it's weird. So, but yeah, so anyways, you have equity club. Yeah, you have all these different dynamics. Again, sometimes they can be very very positive, but a lot of times equity clubs move very slow to make decisions. They don't really because there's so many agendas, right? Like some people don't yep. want change, or some people don't exactly. want blah or whatever. Exactly. And then it gets passed on to the next board meeting, which isn't for another month, right? And so that is why a lot of equity clubs, especially in downturns, struggle. And you get companies like Concert Golf, who's one of our clients, great client. You get Heritage Golf, you get Club Corp, you get these big club purchasing groups that come in and gobble these clubs up, right? Because they're run so poorly. They're not smart with their capital reserves. They're not pushing sales like they should be. And they get into what they're we not call running like a business. Small. They're running it like their own personal That's right. club. That's right. When it's like not a club, like it has to survive. It's not like That's exactly right. So that's kind of what we preach is like, hey, there's a great balance here, right? That can be accomplished. Um, and sometimes it is necessary for a you know a company like Concert Golf to come in and recapitalize a club because they need ten million dollars on infrastructure that they can just never raise. Um, but oft more times than not, right by applying some simple fundamentals and driving revenues, clubs can be in great places. And there's a lot of great club managers out there that can manage a good property when they have revenue coming in. Um, so that's, that's kind of the foundation of what Capstone was built on, right? Is you have this, uh, standard membership director that's in a club, right? And typically it's a person that doesn't have a ton of golf experience. They're more of like a social calendar type driver, their member services, 
they're doing member events, they're answering billing questions, they're doing all of this other stuff, they're making newsletters, right? They're not really focused on- They don't get paid all that much money. They probably don't make jack shit. Yeah, they maybe make 70 grand a year or something like that. It's a lot of work and they're never even getting to the whole core of the thing, right? The core of the thing is getting members, not being a- Yeah. What's that director on a cruise ship? Like whatever, like a cruise director, like person that yeah. goes around, like yeah. that's like they're doing that and they're trying to get more members, which is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Right. And, and so that is kind of like what I pinned down when I was kind of assessing and observing all these different clubs across the markets is like that is the single greatest thing, in my opinion, and is backed with a lot of data that prevents clubs from being financially stable long term. Right. What you've seen over the past two years is an anomaly. Right. Everybody knows it, right? Membership, private clubs, public clubs, they all saw this massive boom through COVID, right? But what has happened is, is we've seen a lot of, even some of our own clients where they're like, oh, you know, they're feeling fat and happy, right? They're like, oh, we're good. We're in this great place. Um, You know, they start pulling the trigger on these big capital improvements. They're taking on- Big ones, like big big ones, like, yeah, like, Multi-million dollar improvements. Like, oh yeah, we're going to do all the walls. And I'm like, you're nuts. You're nuts. Like, this is not going to... You guys need to be banking cash right now. Exactly. Bank it. Bank it, bank it, bank it. Right? If you you build up a a wait list, right, that's five years deep, okay, do whatever you want. You know, spend the money you want. And so that's what we're trying to get a lot of our... And we, we, we have been able to get a lot of our clients to that point where they're on three plus uh, year wait list. And right now I'm talking to them saying, Hey, I don't know if you really need us anymore, but they're like, no way. Keep selling. Right. They get it. Um, so that's what happens in clubs, right? You get these membership directors. They're not salespeople. They don't understand how to market. They don't understand how to take people through a good sales process. They're more of member services, which again, which is fine. That's an important, that's an important role. Now, they I'm not need saying, somebody to help them make sales. Like they need to, right. like that's the missing piece. Not, is it a fun, cool club to be in? Yeah. It's more like, we need more members. How are we going to get more members? Yeah, they need to market to the right demographic, and then they need to take them through a good sales process and follow up diligently and close them, plain and simple. And I've secret shopped hundreds of clubs. You know, we whenever we come in, whenever we sign with a club, we come in, we do full due diligence. We look at all their membership categories. We look at their bylaws, their rules and regulations, do a full assessment of their club amenities. You're like, oh, that's yeah. stupid. You shouldn't do that. And you're yeah, like, just you yeah, make yeah. this nicer. Uh, the, the biggest thing we see is like most clubs over time have kind of dropped their pants, right? And they've offered all of these different membership categories. It's kind oh, of like Jesus. a whole way model, right? So they've like, we've gone in 15 club. different membership models. Oh, like 40 like 40 plus different membership categories. And if like, you're in sales, bro, you're in sales, right? So you know, the rule. I, I learned this because I used to be in sales a long time yeah. ago. And I so, learned this. My mentor told me, I remember this because he's like, this is in real estate. He says, remember, we're driving, we're driving, right? He's like, remember yeah. this one thing. You remember, he goes, this is what my mentor told me. And he owns half of Sedona now. Sedona, okay. Arizona, big resort right area. Yeah, yeah. He goes, this, this is his mentor toward him. He goes, a cluttered mind says no. He's like, remember that. He's like, if a client stops talking, you shut up. He goes, because yeah. you've now overloaded them. And I was like, and I've always remembered that. And I think it's like, yeah. so like, same thing. It's like, you give somebody 40 so options. It's like, what the fuck? give me three, give me three. That's it. It's like max, like maybe even just one or two, you know? Yeah, maybe, maybe two, like, right? Like the yeah. expensive one and the not so expensive one. And right. like you get one of the two and you'll know the difference because then not 40, Jesus. It's nuts. It just promotes downselling. That's all it promotes, right? It's like you're giving people options to pay less money. And the market has been so good, so hot that it's just, it's so foolish to do. So you, you paired that, right? Like an unorganized approach. They're kind of just like flailing around. They're picking up what's coming in. They're getting on, they're, they're getting in, you know, online inbound inquiries. They're getting phone inquiries. They're getting member referrals, right? These are organic things that are just going to happen at the club. But they're not doing anything else, right? They're not like hosting realtor events. They're not, you know, doing ambassador programs. They're not doing geofencing ads. They're not. They're not making a- content. They're not exactly. like. They're not doing any social. They're like not <laughs> inviting influencers to come play. They're not okay. like, yeah. whatever, like low end hanging fruit yeah. that wouldn't cost all that much money. Yeah. To create like they're not doing any of that. They're just like, oh, it's exactly. like a it's like a 
it's like a small business, right? That's what a small yeah. business does. Like they yeah. go. Oh yeah, I don't really run ads. Why? Because I don't right. spend the money on it. Well, then you don't want any business because, right. yeah. Like, I one time I worked for I'm not gonna say I worked for a company once, and I was like, oh, do you have a website? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, can I see it? And I was like, it was okay. And he's like, I'm like, so I'm like, what? I look and I'm like, can I see your traffic? They get no, no yeah. traffic. And I was like, yeah, because you're not running ads right. and your website sucks and you have no articles, so like no yeah. one's gonna like find your site. So like you literally, I told my person i said it's yeah. like having a billboard in the desert like no one's ever going to see it like <laughs> essentially right. so it's like and then it's a good visual you can't argue with stupid people dude like, it's a good visual yeah so you know that's that's kind of what we do i've we played with the model for the first year or so i i would go into clubs and i would basically give them a roadmap. i'd say okay this is what you need to do and what you would see is you would see like a quick little spike in revenue and then it would just like revert back to existing um you know, numbers because the old habits would pop back in and they want to get proactive. The salesperson was getting, or the membership director was getting bogged down in other activities. Oh, yeah. There was something else. They, it just falls yeah. to the wayside again. It's nothing against the person. It just, no, it's nothing against There's only the so many hours in the day. It's just like you you have an operation and member relations minded person, which again, an important role within a club trying to do that while also trying to bring in new members. Like it's, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that like, oh, okay, if you bring in somebody that's actually focused directly on bringing in members and that other person is still focusing on servicing and onboarding the members, like that's a pretty powerful combo. And that's why we've seen these massive, like on average, our clubs, uh, after the first year that we come on, come in, they see a 407% increase in initiation fee sold. I mean, that's massive. Right. And it's because of the process that we do. It's because of the outreach that we do. It's because of the whole team effect. Right. We come in, we do the strategic plan. We figure out exactly where we're going. We make budgets. We make a, an advertising plan, a marketing plan. We rework brochures. We bring in video content. We do everything. We supercharge it. And then we bring in one of our highly trained salespeople that's specifically trained in membership sales for country clubs to come in and sell full time. Um, and it, it, so they hire you mm -hmm. to come in, get all that stuff figured out, set up, and then you have a salesperson working for them to help them sell the membership. Essentially. That's right. Yeah. It's an employee of ours. So we, still your, yeah. So it's like consulting fee or it's probably some kind of, it, it's based off sales, right? So like we have a monthly, uh, fixed fee, um, very small, like we don't make any profit on it. And then we get commissions on sales. Yeah, it covers costs probably. I mean, maybe it covers cost costs of like right? the person, and then like it's like, like okay, let's see if you guys can shine, right? Like, okay, it's commission based. If we sell a thousand things, we made it, we did awesome. But like, yeah. essentially, which is which is like easy. It's a no brainer for them because yeah. it's like such low risk. It's like the cost is like nothing. You know, it's much and, lower like, risk actually than like the existing way that they do it. Um, because you have a whole existing team. way now is they have the same person who does multiple jobs, do everything, including that, which does not mean they're going to get people to sign up. Yeah. Not just that, but like, right. Like, and we're not immune to people issues, right? Like people are wild cards, you know, they move, they get sick, they get disinterested, they get burnt out. There's all these things that happen, but with us, like there's an entire team behind it. And we're tracking all of these metrics constantly. We see how many calls they're making daily. We see how many emails. We see how many touch points. We see how many lead gens. We see all the data. So when things are starting to slow down, boom, we're instantaneously on it. If we have to make a change, literally the next day, there's someone in that seat from our corporate team that's carrying the momentum. Right? Like I've seen so many clubs where they're coming into their peak season and the person resigns, they're moving to Florida or wherever it may be. And they're like, oh, my gosh, like now we got to do a search. We have to vet people. And it's still the same risk. Like you're losing three, four months of peak sell season. And then you're placing someone in there that could be good, could not be good. You never know with salespeople, right? You never know until they get into the seat. Well, that's the thing, too. Like how incentivized are they when they're an employee, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah like, okay, I, I still get paid my salary. But like if exactly. I sell a thousand new people sign up, I still get my salary. Exactly. Like, there's no incentive to, like, push. I mean, at least in sales, right? Like, where's the incentive? They typically get small incentives, but the bulk is in a base, right? So you're right. Like, there's no real pressure. Whereas ours, 
bulk is yeah. in commission. So if you if we are not selling or the salesperson is not selling, number one, they're not going to still be there. But number two, they're not going to make much money at all, right? So like they have to sell. We have to sell in order to make the money we need to make. So it really benefits the club. It benefits us. We've seen it change the dynamic so much in clubs where it's like, that's probably the most fun that I have with this job is like even when I was personally doing it and going into clubs, right? You go into clubs that are kind of down and out, kind of struggling a little bit. And like you look at the waiters, the waitresses, you look at the front house staff, you look at the cart guys, you look at the pro shop. Everybody's like just sad. Yeah, everybody's just down, right? And then because it's boring, there's no one in there. There's no blood. There's no like energy, right? And you come in and you start growing it and you start bringing the energy. Now all of a sudden they're making more money in tips. Yeah, because everyone wants to be on a winning team. Nobody wants yeah, to be exactly. on like a, yeah. So, and seeing that dynamic and that culture and seeing all the new members come in and they're starting to make relationships with existing members. It's just a lot of fun. Clubs can be an incredible place for culture and developing relationships. And so that's one of the things that we thrive on is just coming in there and helping with that and just blowing it up. Um, so it, it's been fun. We've worked with over 70 clubs across the country. Um, we've partnered with some big name clubs. We just signed with the Nemecol and Woodlands Resort out in Pennsylvania, which is wild. We're going to we're actually creating the most exclusive, most expensive resort style membership in the country. It's going to come with like full butler service, all this crazy stuff. So I'll have to, we'll have to maybe get you out there and see it. <laughs> yeah. We should talk yeah. about the show yeah, yeah. That's cool. yeah, about cool. that kind of thing. That's cool. Cause I have some ideas too. It's wild. It's man. It's so wild. This place is so incredible. It's two golf courses as like um, sport clay shooting, all these different pools. It has ski slope. It has zip lines. It has high ropes courses as off-road driving. They have like lions and bears running around. They have this wildlife sanctuary. Like when I took the tour, I'm like, what is happening here? Like, where are we? But it's wild fly fishing, all this stuff. So it's a, it's a cool place. It's very unique, very whimsical. So it'll be fun. What? Where's that at? It's like just outside Pittsburgh. It's just outside Pittsburgh. It's in Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's I've cool. heard of Namikon. They own a bunch of courses. They own a bunch of stuff, don't they? No. So it's um it's owned by the people who own 84 Lumber Company. So it's it's oh. just been their like kind of fun project. So they've their just, playground. Like, yeah. Like they're exactly they have so much freaking money. They're like, oh, we'll do something crazy and cool. That's what it feels like. And now people are going to be able to experience it as members. It's, it's like there's a private landing strip for private jets on it. So it's like that's that's kind of the crowd we're going after where it's it's going to be a special, special place to be a member at. So that'll be a cool one. So when you come in, when you come in to like, let's say I have a club, right? You come to me and you're like, okay, this is like what what do you offer me as a club? Like you're going to handle all of my sales, right? To help me get my mm-hmm. And then you give me a roadmap and be like, okay, here's our goals. Here's what we're trying to do. And then are you also consulting them on how to make their club better outside of the sale process and all that? Like how to really run this club so it's efficient? Yeah, we don't focus so much on operations because we trust like the general managers. We, we have a pretty lengthy interview process with clubs before we partner with them. So we want to make sure that they have like appropriate management in place so that they can handle the growth because we know we're going to grow the membership. We know that for a fact. So a lot of t- what we kind of learned initially is sometimes when we bring in 120, 130 new high quality members, we grow the initiation fee up significantly. So it reduces attrition. Sometimes clubs can't handle the influx of members, right? So we just want to make sure that, like, okay, you guys can handle this, right? Um, you're set up for a success. Yeah, because you don't want to manage your club for them. You want to manage your membership. Like, you're like, let us exactly. like let us manage getting people in the door. You guys manage up. them once they're in the door. Yeah, this is not our club. This is your club. You guys, right. you guys run this club. We're just yeah, doing we this, look, this we, is our job. We look like an employer of the club like a prospect coming in would never know that the person taking them through the sales process is an outside company they wear the logo they would never know um but yeah it's like you guys we'll, we'll bring the members in you guys manage them but good advice on um like in particular amenities so like say you know we go to an area a good example we signed with a club uh in alpharetta um a little bit older club it was made predominantly a golf club 
but it's in this like massive neighborhood where it's like all families and there was no family activities whatsoever. And so we're like, you're not really marketing to your demographic that's here. You're marketing to just like a golfer. Right. And most people around here are going to want some form of activity for kids. So we kind of advise, Hey, you need to get set up a kid's club. We need to do outdoor dining, more casual style things. And so they yeah, did like that. Yeah, people do that. Oh, that blew up. It blew up. Yeah. We signed up like 400 people in the first year. So it's, it's been a really good success story. Yeah. Because parents want something like that and they're already in the neighborhood or nearby. And it's like, why would you not have, but see, it takes that time to figure that out. Right. And like, think about it. And like, sometimes you're just like, well, I don't want right. that. It, it kind of tests sometimes just takes a fresh set of eyes in any business. Right. It's like you bring in a fresh set of eyes that has seen so many different operations and yeah. you can, we can usually because you have like 10 years quickly. of experience, like seeing this other club Like you've been behind the scenes at yep. all these other places and you're yep. like, yeah, this, and then you also look at what's going on that it, like, then you look at, then take that. And then you look at the individual club and where they're located and the demographics right. and the income yep. and like everything about that area. And you're like, look, exactly. this is what exactly. you guys need to do to be successful. Yeah. Yep. And here we'll help you with this part of it, but this is what you guys need to do. Yeah. You know, exactly. So are right. they, are they, would you consider yourself a consultant then? Yeah, I mean, we're kind of a combo, right? Like we are a consultant and a management company in the form that we manage the, we're a turnkey solution. So say a club, like yeah. uh, maybe they have a membership director, maybe they don't have a membership director, maybe they're on a, a flip of membership directors, whatever. They would call us up and basically we would come in and operate their entire membership department and um, make sure that people are being sold and onboarded appropriately and then they manage it and that's really like if you talk to a lot of our clients that's what they love about it <clears throat> you know general managers will routinely say like man i love that we have capstone in here because i don't have to worry about membership at all and membership is the lifeblood of a club so then they can focus more on just servicing the members which pairs really well because if you're servicing the members well you're really focusing on your operation and amenities, then your attrition rates are going to go down, right? And you're going to have success across the entire board. So, um, how many clubs are you working for right now? So we have 25 active clients. So we have 25 where we are actively managing the membership sales uh, across, and the they're located all across the United States. Yeah, all across, predominantly in the Northeast mid-atlantic and southeast and then some peppered in the midwest so um, you have to have somebody on site yeah we have someone on site at every single one of those clubs so when you onboard if you see let's say i had a club and it's in arizona and i'm like okay i hire you you'd have to hire somebody to be in arizona yep. to manage that club because they have to be on site every day that's doing right. their job yeah so we're constantly recruiting people um we have a, a full-time recruiter um we have full-time trainers we have full-time club launchers. Um, so really we have a big system to where we can handle, right, 25 clubs. We've kind of purposely stayed around the 20 to 30 club mark at one time because that's that's what we could kind of manage and stay really, really hyper-focused on. Yeah. But over the last year, right, we've been able to build out the infrastructure to take on 50, 100 clubs. Um, you know, and that's our goal is to get to a hundred active clubs within the next couple of years. So you just need like more people essentially, right? Like more people, more place. clubs. Yeah. Yep, more people, so more clubs. what are you seeing, right? We, what yeah. are you seeing right now in terms of the market? Like what's happening right now, as of right now with like, you know, in private club world and golf and, the economy like you were saying before uh, like yeah. is it still pretty it's stable well, or is it starting to decline a little bit or kind of decline um so we we track all metrics and really like the canary in the coal mine and, and we sent out a letter to our clients uh two months ago alerting them of this but the canary in the coal mine is inbound leads right organic inbound leads right because some clubs are going to do better in different markets with different things so when I'm talking organic, I'm talking website inquiries, phone call inquiries, things like that. Um, January, February, we're pretty stable compared to year over year, right? 
uh, March was down. I, I may get these numbers slightly wrong. March was down, I want to say like 13%. Then April was down like 38%. Uh, then May was down like 51%. Um, June bounced back a little bit and was down about like 40%. But the inbound leads are significantly less that are coming in. Right. And so what do you think that is? It makes sense. Like, think about it. Right. Like, well, but we're up so high too. It's like, that's we're exactly up like right. 200% or something crazy. Like, if you're down 40, it's like, dude, we're still up 150%. Like, it no, can't go on forever like this. That's why I tell people, like, it, it's not so much a downtrend. I think it's just leveling back off to where it was. It's like real estate. Exactly. It's, it's, you think about it, right? Like, why did we see the boom? During COVID, it wasn't that just like magically. Really the only COVID. sport you could play. Exactly. It wasn't like, just literally. Like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, all these new. Everybody golfers. loves golf. Cool now. No, it's literally like the only thing you could do uh, in a lot of different places. So naturally, you couldn't travel, couldn't go on cruises, you couldn't do the kids' sports were, were canceled. Everything was canceled. Everything you was couldn't canceled. even go anywhere. You you couldn't right? you go to public parks. You couldn't go to yeah. national parks. Yeah, you couldn't do shit couldn't do anything so what could you do right you could from home. join a club you could go play golf right these are the things that were like open and uh, available so boom like organic increase just massively shot up right and then now they're starting to taper off because now you can travel again you can go on cruises kids activities is like back up like there is now competition for recreational activity again so these clubs that are like, oh, we're fat and happy. We're in a great place. We talked to like so many different clubs across the country and the clubs that were like really in a bad spot before, boom, they see this like quick little spike. Like, oh, we're good. We're good. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, like literally nothing has changed in your business model. You haven't like, you're just going to revert right back to where it is. And it's great that we saw this boom. It's awesome. So many clubs the smart clubs are being proactive about it, right? They're building out wait lists, right? If they get to one of the other things that's happening is right. Like even just golf rounds were up significantly, right? So say your membership didn't grow immensely, maybe it only grew 30% or something like that. Um, but like the people that are members there are playing a lot more golf, right? They're working remote, they're doing all these things. So then it starts feeling like course, the course has some compaction issues. Now all of a sudden you got your groups bitching because it's like, oh, we can't get a tea time on Saturday like we always could. We can't get this, we can't get that. And then so you get these groups of people saying, we need to cap our membership, stop selling members, you know? And it's just like, no, that's actually the worst thing you can do. You need to, if if you want to cap your membership, fine, but build out a deep wait list so that inevitably when you start getting resignations, when the sales starts slowing, your dues line isn't going to drop. You don't have to assess members. You don't have to raise dues. All this shit that like puts people into this downward spiral and gets them in a really bad spot to where they have to sell, right? So that's kind of where we're at right now. It's, it's like still running a, a business, spot. dude. It's like literally like running a company. It's like... You what's know? up it's like it's like running a business it's, it it's, is it's like it's but the one fat and the one factor you have is now you have like your members complaining because they can't get the tea time they wanted or you're packed bumper to bumper on every hole and it's like yeah. if you've been to any golf course in the united states they're all like this so like right you know so it's like yeah. just because you had the same tea time for the last 30 years doesn't mean you're yeah. gonna get it now because you like yeah. but they might of- because they're on the board you know like it's just Exactly right. It's like a double-edged sword. It's like you you want the people there, but then you don't want the people there. And it's like, oh, what do you do? Right, right. So, well, I think you develop out a wait list and stack it really deep. That's that's the answer. And you also... Yeah, because you have a warm lead, right? They're wanting to do it. And obviously, you guys want to close it, right? Because you like right the finish line. And then it's like, well, they're going to be on a wait list. Now you're like, well, now we're like 50-50 chance this guy's going to come back. Right or like well, no, no, yeah, no. If you get them on a wait list, though, like what we advise our clients is you, you do a non-refundable deposit to get on the wait list. A lot of clubs aren't aren't doing deposits; they'll just put people on the wait list. I'm like, well, you don't really have a wait list, right? Like, yeah, you gotta get some money. You gotta get something so they feel vested. Yeah, I get some skin in the game, and there's there's all sorts of strategies to it. Like, um, 
again, the very smart clubs, right? Like if you look at your corporate run clubs that are like looking at the bottom line and figuring it out, what they're doing is like through all of this, they're forcing attrition. So they're basically looking at subcategories, right? That have maybe been sold over the course of 10 years, right? Your group, your group memberships, your preview style memberships. Oh like, yeah. Like get rid of like maybe like 50 options, get rid of 49 of them. Right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Because now's a good time to do it because we don't want to stick around. Fine. We have the other people want to pay full price and exactly like you, you had a stupid offer anyways 20 years ago why don't you own a club and we'll work together we'll kill it <laughs> you, get, you get it you know and, and and so it's convincing right boards and general managers that hey they're you're because you're, actually- you're an outsider and so am i dude yeah. because like yeah. i'm not ingrained in this world and like i'm right. looking at it like it's money it's just basic dollars and cents Exactly. It's basic business sense. And um, that can be challenging. There's probably a lot of ego involved too, though. I bet there's a ton of ego, That's especially awesome. with every, with, I mean, not with you guys. Cause you're like, we want to do our job. We want to get paid, but like with everybody on the other side, right? Like yeah. whoever it is, like the director, the yeah. pro, yeah. the, 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 who, the member, the board, all these people, all this ego involved. And it's like, they have their own agenda as to why they don't want to do what they want to do. Not yeah. Like, or like they're getting pushed by a group of their buddies, you know, say they're the board president. And they're yeah. Getting, peer pressure, right? Like, Oh, it's oh, your yeah. buddies that you play golf every week and they don't want to do it. Well, now you're going to, now you're going to piss them off. That's a big thing. That's so, but no, overall, like, look, the, you know, like I've said this countless times to people that want to talk to me about it. It's just like, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom here, right? Because it's not like we're still crushing. No, it's, not. it's just a like a the golf list. industry is still crushing it, but there are signs. And you talk to any industry style person out there, and they're going to tell you the exact same thing. Like, well, here's what I've seen this year, at least. I've seen similar to what you said in January, February. I look at traffic, right? Like it, it, the interest in golf generally and products, okay. right? So January, February, same thing, stable. March. Yeah. It's the masters. You get this mm. huge wave, right? Like this oh, cool. spike. Yeah. It lasts until after the masters, pretty much for the month of April. I think people are tired of winter. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's warming up, right? And yeah. then May's a shit month. It goes right. back down because it's like no one's really golfing yet, even though you think right. it would be. Right. And then June, you think it's going to be June, July should be your biggest month. July should be the, the July 15th, August 15th should be the peak. I would say um, right. it's probably doing the same thing. It's depending not on your market. Yeah. Depending on your market here. Your no, where you're at. Yes. You know, and like, yeah. I feel like we're at a disadvantage, both you and I, cause we're in States that we're, you can golf year round. Right. So yeah. like, I always forget that like, you can't golf in Pennsylvania in November. Right. Yeah. Or either or March. So it's like, it's very cyclical. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, it's actually kind of interesting. Um, it's this data point that our VP of membership sales, Greg, just brought to us because he was just analyzing all the data. And it just reminded me of that when you said that is like, for instance, Florida's numbers have not dropped at all. Like they're still strong. Here's one hasn't either. Are you kidding me? That's what I'm saying, right? The 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 areas that are dropping. Bro, you could not, like, honestly, it was up to after memorial day is when mm-hmm. people when you to start getting tea times like not yeah. i mean i mean everywhere muni yeah. it didn't matter and it's like yeah. it's packed like yeah. and these are up the ass like they're like so high right now like if you want to play boulders you know in march it's gonna be three hundred dollars yeah. you know what i mean like or something crazy <laughs> like they you can get top dollar you can get you know whatever you know, if you want to play Muni, it's like oh, yeah. 60 I mean, bucks with cart. It's like some shitty Muni, yeah. you know, like now I can play a <laughs> single golf course for $18 with a cart. That's too high. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's nuts. Like the, the States where people are like mass migrating to right now, right. Moving to all that stuff, still crushing it. It's the, the Northeast States, it's the Midwest, it's the mid Atlantic that we're really seeing big drops in. Um, and some of that is correlated to season, but again, just doing year over year, exact same time period. Um, that's where demographic shift too. Like people are moving out of those States, like you're saying, and they're moving to Florida, right? Like, or Arizona is cheaper or Texas, right? Like no one's, I mean, we've got a lot of Californians here now. Like everyone's California and 
moved yeah. here. That's cheaper. Yeah. It's interesting because we've just started speaking with a couple clubs in Northern California and they're struggling big time. So it's like these little areas, these little pockets are getting hit. These other ones aren't. So how do you find clubs? Like, is there a list of like every single private club in the United States and you just start working that list essentially? Or how does that work? I have no idea. Like, how do you find the private clubs? That work I mean, most of, our stuff, most, of our, most of our stuff is uh, just references from existing clients, from people that have heard of us. They word of mouth. A lot of word of mouth. Uh, we've just recently, again, because we've kind of structured it out to now where we can scale, um, we have a head of partnerships, Tyler Vandermeulen, who's out there just hunting clubs, um, talking to people, figuring out, you know, would our Setting services up meetings, match trying up to get meetings, trying to do. introduce you guys, like, let's talk to you about what we do. Yeah, and, and what we do, honestly, is it's pretty, it's, it's pretty simple. Like, all we do, we come in, we do a, a complimentary assessment of their club. We look at their categories. We look at what they've done the past few years, pre-COVID, during COVID, see what type of growth they have, see what their goals are. And then see if, you know, it'll work for them, see if it makes sense for them, see if it makes sense for us. Because every single club we've been in, every single one, we've raised their initiation fees. So, like, say a club starts at five grand, you know, they have a $5,000 initiation fee. We come in and we raise it up. Like, we're getting clubs from five, ten thousand $10,000 up to $30,000, $50,000 now. And so that's massive. We basically, we pay for ourselves and then some. Um bringing in massive amounts of yeah just in the, ver- in the initial couple of months it's like bam and they're like holy crap so like everything after yeah. that's like they don't care they're happy they're not, they've already they already can see the light it's not like oh exactly. give it a year we'll uh yeah. you know slowly right. a massive dues line that's stable um they can operate a great business um if they have a fluctuating dues line it's really hard to budget really hard to do a business that way so that's why we want to raise the initiation fee. It's just common sense, right? It's like the higher initiation fee but people it, pay, the less likely. They but are. if you're a member already, let's say I was a member of a club, and then it's like five grand, so I pay five grand, and then you yep. guys raise dues to thirty. Am I still grandfather? I already made my next year. I have to pay thirty thousand dollars. No, no, works? no. So right, you have two so different. You're like locked in at five because you're grandfathered in. So two different things. So you have an initiation fee. That's what I'm talking about. And then you have your monthly or annual dues, right? Initiation fee is a one-time payment to get in the club. Hey, here's 20 grand. I want to become a full golf member. And then after that, you start paying your monthly dues, $600 a month, right? So you never, if you're a member, you never have to pay another initiation fee again, right? You just pay your- Oh, you're saying, well, oh, you're saying, oh, I see. So like the newbies, like I come in, I'm a new guy. I want to join the club. You're like, okay, it's 30 grand, not five anymore. And you're like, okay, I'll fine, I'll pay it. And then you're still paying six hundred bucks like everybody else. But yeah, now they got yeah. they still got twenty five thousand dollars more on one guy than they did yep. on the last guy who wasn't yep. like that before. Which yeah, like members love more. that. Like existing members love it, right? Because they're like, oh, yeah, they ain't going nowhere now. Yeah. They're like, oh hell no, <laughs> I'm at a fifty again. Yeah, yeah, because once they know what the, once they know what the fee is, they're like, oh, I, they think they're cool. Number one, because they got for five, <laughs> and they're like, hey, I'm at a thirty thousand uh, dollar initiation club, and they think they're hot yep. shit because the, it's a more expensive club yep. to be in. It's all, yep. it's all like yep. mental. This whole thing's like mental. Oh, it's for sure mental. Like the psychology be t- behind it all. So much like, psychology in this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my god. I thought it was fascinating. So I'm like, this is a different world. That was one of the first like books I read when I was like really trying to kind of like hone in on this craft was the psychology of persuasion. Have you read that? Oh, is it good? Oh, it's good. It's worth a read. What's it called? <laughs> the psychology. This I think it's the psychology of persuasion. I'm googling it too. Just make sure I got that right. That's a dirty book. I don't think that's the right one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> because of the implication. I'm just teasing. I- do you is want influence time? influence the psychology of persuasion this has that's to be it. it that's it yep that's it it's a good one it's worth a read it's it, it just talks about like how these little minute things can make the difference like i'll give you an example okay so yeah i want to hear it. i love this shit. there is there is this one uh this one like case study that they did where um girl scout cookies right this one girl was like every single year she was the leader across the nation of selling Girl Scout cookies. And they're like, what the hell is this girl doing? So they were like, all right, we're going to go. We're going to kind of like analyze her, see what she's doing. And so literally the only thing that she would do, right? You see Girl Scout cookies typically outside Publix or 
whatever grocery store you're, yeah. you're you know, is around your hometown. And so all she would do, she would load up on just little carnations or little like inexpensive flowers. And all she would do is as the people would walk out, she would just hand them a flower. That's it. She would just hand them a flower and she had her little booth set up and boom, it triggered this like innate thing in our mind that like, hey, if someone gives us something, we feel the need to like reciprocate that. Right. So boom, get a little flower. It's like, all right, I'll buy a box of cookies. And that was it. Right. So like these little subtle things that can be done just to like enhance experiences, right. Lead to better sales. Like they, they just do. And so that's what we imply a lot of. Um, it's not manipulative. It's I not think, well, I think, I think you hit on, I think you've hit on the head though, too. Like you have to be a giver, not a taker. Right. That's so right. what you guys do is you give and you give and yep. you give and you'll take at some point. Yep. That's right. You know, you kind of have to do it in membership sales too, because 100%. It, it's, it's not like a, it's not insurance. It's not a car. It's not anything that's like necessary at all. It's a lifestyle enhancement product. So it's like, you have to understand how to sell that. And again, going back to like a secret shopping clubs, whenever we come into a market, we secret shop all the clubs around, just kind of see what's going on. And you would be shocked. And you see how they act and you see oh, like, God, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's like, literally that's where I'm just like, our thesis is kind of like, you know, everything's going to kind of revert back to normal. I still think golf is in a great place. It's going to continue to grow. But like the processes have not changed. Like when we inquire so many times, we don't even get responses. Right. Or if we do get kickbacks, it's like this automated kickback with all of the pricing, this super long, we call it data dump email, where it's just like all the information. It's just like, holy shit. You know, like there's like no personalization. There's no none. touch. There's no feel. It's like, it's like a so help support line India. It's you know, it's like, and, oh. and, and so like one of the things that like I mandate is that like, if someone inquires, you call them instantaneously back within minutes, right? Like you drop everything you're doing, you call, right? You find out what they're looking for. You talk to them, answer their questions, try to set up a meeting, set up a meeting, get them in person, treat them for lunch, treat them to a tour. Let me show you around. Let us show you around. See what we got. See if it's the right fit for you. You might not like it. You might. Yeah. Like, and and you get, you, yeah, give them a carnation. Yeah. Hand them a flower right when they walk in. You should do that. Um, that should be a no, test. Like, you and then you get the whole club. test. Everybody gives them a just, flower. Just they all walk them, in, like, like, everybody just sees them give them a flower. They're like, what the hell? Everyone just gets all weirded out and leaves. <laughs> Yeah, it's totally like, <laughs> like you put like a lay on them. You're like, welcome. And you're, you're like, like a freaking yeah. club in like New York. Like, here's a lay. Like, and like oh, like, what are you going to kill me or something? This is weird. Yeah. No, the, um, <laughs> the no, cult, we do, all, like we, wearing like white outfits. We do actually do a little bit of that. Um, like whenever someone comes in for a tour and plays golf, we usually put like a little gift package in the car for them, all that stuff. So again, you just want to display like, Okay, you, you want to become a member at this club. Like, we figure out the reasons why. Is it because of golf? Is it because of camaraderie? You want to meet people? Is it because of social events? Like, you ask all these questions and then you cater the tour specific to that, right? Like, as opposed to just being like, here's what we have. We have this, 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 this. Here's our application. Let me know if you want to join. It's like, okay. <laughs> you know? So, no, we got to know who you're selling, not as a, like, you know, their intention for being there, not so much who they are as a person. But like, what are they looking for? Exactly. You know, like, yeah. and can we give that to them? The other thing is too, you gotta make sure you can give them what they want because if you can't, they're going to get pissed off and they're going to like sign up and they're going to quit. And they're that's like, right. Bullshit. No. And that's so why I said like, like we, we give a really good tour. We give a really good process. We treat people right. We're honest. Like I have said when, you know, back up five, six, seven years when I'm actually selling memberships, there's countless amount, amounts of times that I would say to people, Hey, I just, I don't think this is probably going to be the best fit for you. I think you maybe should go and check XYZ club. And a lot of times they would still join the club because they're like, well, wait a second, you know, like, you know, this could be a good fit for us. Cause you're honest. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So it wasn't like, no one likes being sold. Exactly. You know what I mean? So like who likes walking into a car lot? Like nobody. No right. Like that's the last place on earth. I like walking on to. Right, right, right. And so it's like, cause you know, you're gonna get your ass kissed. You know, you're gonna try to get sold the whole time. Yeah. They're not gonna let you leave. Yeah. It's yeah. like all this bullshit. Right. And then it's like, if you just make it easy for somebody and be like, whatever you want to do is cool. 
That's it. And, and that's how we train, right? Like we have this entire, it's like a three week training process that all of our people go through. And that's one of the like core fundamentals is like, like, yes, like we are trying to get a yes, obviously, but we're, we're also like trying to get a no, you know what I mean? Like a no is fine. I'm totally fine with someone saying no to a club, right? Like it, like you said, it has to make sense for them. What we try to do is figure out what are the people's wants, right? Is this going to be a good fit? And then we try to help them make a decision on where they want to be, right? And if it's with us, awesome. If it's with another club, great. We'll stay in contact. Maybe you have a friend that's a good fit for here. So, um, yeah, and I think, you know, you look It's at, not a hard sell. It's not yeah, a hard sell. Like, it, can't, it can't be hard. It's not like you're going to have a timeshare and Yeah. Exactly. You know, Mexico or some shit. Right, right. You bring them into the room, don't let them leave until they buy. I mean, we are salespeople. Like, people definitely are going to get answers out of people. Um, but it's, it's it can't be a hard sell. It's a lot. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's a different, yeah, it's a different thing. So. Well, it's, yeah, it's like you want the right person for the right club, essentially. Is it the right fit? And that's the perfect scenario. So, yeah, we're looking for long term members. Like, that's, that's, you know, another thing that we pride ourselves on is like, there's a lot of companies out there that will imply like these uh, uh, preview style memberships. They'll have like their membership base, go sell it for them. And they'll discount the initiation fee. They'll do a year of like preview style dues and they'll get a lot of people, right? They'll get a hundred people. But what we've seen is like 30, 40% of those people will leave. And what's happened after that is it's devalued your club, right? So now everyone's like, well, shit, I want that deal. You know, it's like, well, yeah, I bet you do. So we've had to come have anymore. Yeah, we've had to come in a lot of times after those clubs and kind of clean up the mess a little bit, reestablish the initiation fees, reestablish the integrity of the membership, do it the appropriate way. And again, like ours is not like this sometimes we come in and it's a quick hitter and like, boom, we knock it out of the park. But a lot of times it's like this slow growth strategy that we have. And I think well, you have to test it. It's trial and error. Like you don't know what you're stepping into. Like you kind of have an idea, but like you don't know the whole thing until you try it. And like, Oh, that failed. Yeah. Oh, that they don't, whatever. I mean, you don't know. It's like every new club is a new experience yeah. you have. Right. Essentially. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. It I mean, I didn't even know. Yeah, it is. I don't never know this world. Like, it's just nuts, man. I mean, it all makes sense. All of it Isn't it sense. so weird how many people, like, there's so many businesses out there. I'm all, my mind is always blown with how many businesses are out there and how people make a living. It's pretty cool. The internet. Yep. Change the world. It's well, true. where can people find you guys if they have a club? Or where can they find you? Yeah, go to our website, uh, www.capstone-hospitality.com. Um, you can email me directly at brian at capstone-hospitality.com. My cell phone is 561-445-7448. Look at that. Boom. Putting... Whoa, holy crap. You're the first one to ever get out their cell phone on a podcast. Man, I tell you what, it's probably a dumb You're going to be a lot of, you know what, picks. <laughs> you know, it's actually pretty funny. The um, I, t- I said this uh, on one of the last podcasts I was on, but it's kind of good, but it also, you know, can backfire a little bit. Like this isn't a backfire. This is actually a really good story. So my wife's going into labor. It's two, two 22 and I'm in the hospital and we're like getting to the zone, the push zone. Right. Like we're like, I think looking back on it, it's like an hour and a half out of when our daughter actually came. And I get this phone call. I'm like, I don't know this number. And then I get a text right after it. It's like, hey, Brian, this is Tom from Nemecole and Woodlands Resort. He's like one of their top guys there. You know, I saw you on so-and-so podcast. Love that you gave out your cell phone. Sorry I'm texting so late. You know, love to talk to you. I'm like, Tom, I really want to talk to you right now, but I am in the hospital. My wife is giving, she's laboring for our first daughter right now. Is there any way I can set you up with a couple of our other guys? And he's like, oh, my God. He's just like loved the fact that I responded and all that. So. You're a real person. Yeah, exactly. So now you can go I think in a world that I think it's true. Like in a world that there are so many faceless things, yeah. you know, like, yeah. like I think people like that. We've lost that. I feel like yeah. on the internet, at least like, or at least in the world of business, like yeah. you don't know who you're talking to and why. And I think like that personal connection, like, yeah. I don't know, people just want to find the right person. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a phone call guy. I, I 
don't really like emails, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll do emails, obviously. It takes but, forever, dude. You got, you can bang out in two minutes on a phone call. It takes 40 minutes to write the damn email. That's what I'm saying. That's I'd have why, a Zoom you know, call. Let's have a Zoom call. Let's just talk about it right now. I love it. Figure it out. I love it. We, we jump on Zooms all the time. It was like, that was a lot of obviously negatives with COVID, but I feel like that was one of the positive was Zoom. You know, everybody has it. You know, I'm like, we're in the future now, man. I'm like, look at this. This is like back to the future stuff. It really is. You yeah. think about it. Like I was watching something and like, I was watching it's like it was a video and the guy was like, oh, why don't you make a, uh, it was like a 10 year old on YouTube video. Yeah. And he's like, oh, why don't you try out this new thing called Skype? And I was like, oh my God. That was right. like, and like, you know, and Skype's like the worst. And right. it's just funny because now it's an accepted thing. Like, oh yeah, Zoom call. Unless you're at a big company, yeah, just, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And then also like, you know, we're always looking for new uh, staff. So, I mean, if you're someone out there that's a hustler and, you know, you want to get into the golf business or uh, maybe you're doing sales for another industry and want to kind of switch it up. We offer really good compensation packages. Like on average, our people are making 100K plus a year. Um, you get to work in a great right. environment. We do company retreats, all that stuff. So, um, you know, uh, I think our email for that, <laughs> I should probably know this, it's careers at capstone hospitality. It's also on our website. Just go into the careers tab and we'll set you up, bring you down to Florida awesome. to the beach to do some training too. There you go. Yeah. And Brian, I'll let you uh, go golfing with him until he'll give you some golf lessons. No way, man. <laughs> it's funny, you know, like, I, I, it's so bad. I, I, I'm starting to get the golf bug more and more. But, man, I don't play just even close to as much as I should. But Dude, that's, how old are you? You're probably, what, 34, 35? Close, 37. Thank you for saying younger. Old man. Old Man, I had we had some friends in town this last weekend, and it was my college roommate. Right. Oh, he geez. has a four year old son and a seven year old son. And like he's looking a little banged up, just like I am. You know, it's like we've been in business. You're really banged up. You got a baby, five months old. Yeah. You know? What are you talking about? Whatever. So this, this, Give me like son, 10 years. You're going to look like me. Yeah. His, his son goes, Oh my God. Have you done the 10 year challenge recently? I did that the other day and I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, anyways, his son is looking looking at me and goes how old are you how old do you think i and he's like 48 i'm like oh jesus and i'm like how and i'm like okay it's probably perspective how old do you think your dad is 34 i'm like what i'm like you think i look 14 years older than your dad you little sob get out of my house (laughs) so anyways that's funny well it's awesome you guys you gotta check it out if you're in the club world which i'm not but it's really interesting to find this all out if you want a club or just in, have questions you gotta reach out to brian because he knows what he's talking about and can help you and i think it's fascinating just this world you know i i've never been in it so i don't know what to say or to expect and i thought i thought it was cool to like learn about it and find out like really all the facets you know of that industry because it's not it's not what you think it is, right? Like it's not as easy. It's not, it's a, it's pretty complex. So it's thank you for being on the show and I'll see you guys yeah, in the next episode. Let's do it again. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to another episode of Behind the Golf Brand Podcast. You're going to beat me? A golf. Stay connected on and off the show by visiting golfersauthority.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. Golf is always more fun when you win. Stay out of the beach and see you on the green.